Welcome to another episode of the Utah Podcast. My name is Chad Van Handel. We're excited today to have Dan Allborn here in the studio. Dan got his career started in 2010 in real estate. After working for 10 years as a sales leader, he also was a disc jockey before that. Very excited to welcome Dan, and he's a wealth of information on real estate. So without further ado, let's welcome Dan to the studio. Thank you, Chad. I appreciate it. It's an honor to be here, man. This, these things are always fun to do, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Yeah, we're excited to have you. So yeah. I think the best place to start, just where, where did that real estate bug come from, and how did you kind of get started in it? You know, I, I think it just came from just a desire to be an entrepreneur. Um, you know, I would started, as you mentioned, I was in sales for a while, and uh, that just was kind of, I saw the ceiling there, a glass ceiling where I didn't want to be my own boss. Um, and it really came down to one day I had a buddy of mine come over and he gave me this information from Carlton Sheets. So anyone who's been in real estate for any period of time, that name resonates. Matter of fact, he's still doing things today, but he's kind of the godfather of real estate investing. Um, so I had some stuff there, dabble with it. And he's like, oh, you can buy properties with no money down, which really intrigued me because at that time I had no money, right? <laughs> so ultimately, um, I kind of dabble with that. And um, I found by just applying myself, I was able to transact real estate. Um, I started initially with wholesaling properties, and whenever I applied myself, I got deals. So I got to a point where I just saw my career at my my former employer, just I didn't want to be there anymore. And it wasn't anything against them. They're a great company. I just saw my my vision of what I wanted to do didn't fit their vision, I guess is maybe the best way of putting it. So so it was about 2010, so the, the, the economy is kind of coming off of the recession yeah. Or, yeah. or you know maybe just kind of starting to recover. Is it, did that play into getting into real estate? Were there some deals out there that also kind of intrigued you? Or? Right. Well, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, if, since I've been in for a while and, and the real estate market we have today is completely a 180, right? It's, I mean, back then, deals were plenteous. I mean, you could go onto a website and find opportunities through like the HUD home store, you'd be able to buy foreclosures, which right now there's none of those. So how we acquired deals was different. Um, and it was, I don't I guess you could say easier. They were they were not as challenging to find. And the other thing too, Chad, there wasn't as many investors sure. as there are today. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. all those things culminated to probably some of my early success that I could have failed forward. Sure. You know, I made a lot of mistakes along the way. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it worked out well for me. So so, so that first deal, I mean, when, when you were first introduced, to you know Carlton Sheets and kind of that program how long did it take you to, to ultimately jump into start yeah you know deals? I think Carlton Carlton Sheets wet my whistle right mm-hmm. he got me excited into real estate um, but then I bought some courses which I think anyone who's been in real estate investing has bought their fair share of real estate courses that taught me how to wholesale so I would go out and stick out the old signs that they told you to do um, and lo and behold, someone called, and uh, they said, hey, I have this duplex here in Appleton. Come take a look at it. And I was scared out of my world, right? <laughs> um, and I did an inside sales job. So answering the phone and talking to people wasn't afraid wasn't afraid of that. But now I'm jumping into a new adventure that I knew very little about in real estate going in. So the guy takes me to his duplex, and I remember to this day, he had like an old 83 Datsun pickup truck, and we're sitting across the side from one another. It's a beat-up, rusty old orange thing. And uh, he's like, so I want this price. And I'm like... I, you know, I knew it was a g- pretty good deal, uh-huh. so I'm like, well, you know, we haggle back and forth, and we agreed to a price, um, and then, you know, with wholesaling, ultimately, you're selling the contract, right. so I was so intimidated to ask for anything more than I could have, so I'm like, I can only ask $1,000 more, <laughs> which is, you know, not a bad payday for what you do in wholesaling, um, and of course, we got under contract, and then from there, we um, we found a buyer, and it worked really smooth, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is kind of cool, so that's where now I 
I got, you know, for, you know, and I, I educate people in real estate mm-hmm. investing. Um, it's one of those things that once you get that first deal, it's like Pandora's box opens up and you really have a whole different perspective sure. on real estate investing and gives you that momentum to keep going. So. Sure. So, so uh, did you have a, a buyer's list then on the other side that you could, could send it out to? No, that's a great question, Chad. I didn't. I mean, it was really, I think I went to the local RIA club, uh, the Real Estate Investors Club here in Appleton. And um, and I think I also maybe have done some online stuff through Facebook saying I had this property. And uh, I had like two or three people that showed up uh, or at least called me and had interest. And uh, it just happened to work out. So, Oh, oh that, that that's a great story. Because again, I mean, wholesaling, like you said, is, is a way to get into it. Yeah. And you, you start looking at properties. You don't have to have necessarily the money down. And then you yeah. can you can um, get that contract, assign that contract to somebody else. Absolutely, yep. So, so then how many... Uh, did, was, did you keep kind of clicking clicking through them at that point? Yeah, then? I started with just wholesaling and I you know, was kind of dabbling. Like I said, I would you know go off a few months because I was working a full-time job at that point. And I'm like, oh, it'd be nice to have some extra money, go do wholesale, make a nice little payday. So then it just got to that point where I think the real um, jumping off point for me was you know when I got to that point with – where I was at at work and my wife all along the way was you know saying yeah you should do this you should do this but you know she was a stay at home my kids were all young kids at that point in time and I was the sole breadwinner so here I have a nine to five getting a paycheck every few weeks mm-hmm. um, and now I'm going from it's solely my responsibility to provide for my family so that's a, an intimidating thing right, right? Um, so then I, I just had a meeting with a good friend of mine Jackie Conkle who you know mm-hmm. and um, she's like Dan you already have the plan just do it <laughs> and I'm, it was my own fear right, right. My fear of making that jump, and, and fear is a big part of anything. So I think that was really the the first step where I'm like, all right, fine. So I literally wrote out my two weeks' notice, put it on my desk that next day, gave it to my boss, who I'm still great friends with today, and said, here's what I'm going to do. And he was like super happy and proud for what I was going to do, supported me on it, understood it, and uh, that was the most liberating thing ever. I remember when I gave him, when I wrote that and put it on my desk, and I had that meeting with him, handed it to him. I, I, well, obviously, once I gave it to him, I'm like, all right, there's no turning yeah, back. Yeah, right. No, this is official, right? <laughs> just kidding. I, just kidding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> April Fool's. No. Um, so that, that's where that happened. But, yeah, so then it was really just wholesaling. And, honestly, even making that jump, you know, we had set ourselves up financially that we had a little nest egg. Because mm-hmm. whenever you start a business, it's, you know, there's all these gurus and there's a ton of great, great people out there. But they always promote, oh, you know, you can make $30,000 in 30 days. And Granted, I've been doing this for a while. But there was, like, a lull of, like, three, four months where nothing. So having that little nest egg of savings helped me through. Plus, to be in real estate investing, you can do it for free, but really you have to have marketing, right? You got to pay money. It costs money to make money. So you had to put money into marketing and things like that. But a lot of it, I was doing it from a grassroots perspective. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I was just really wholesaling, and then I accidentally fell into a flip. Uh, so that was kind of my first real other excitement that I had at that point. And so what, yeah, so so just to kind of reset the time frame, so 2010-ish, you start kind of doing the wholesaling thing. Then how, how many years before you ultimately? I think it was 2015 okay. that I basically um, made that jump okay. from you know working full-time to doing this. So mm-hmm. it was probably three, four years uh, at that point in time. Um, and then I was just wholesaling exclusively. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, probably. I mean, a lot of people do this in the area, but I, I know I've been doing it for quite some time. Yeah. So no, that's great. And then, and then this flip that you fell into. When when did that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, come it was about? interesting. It was some marketing that I had. The gentleman lived up in the Green Bay area and had a property in Plymouth. And I, I mean, at the time, I'm like, well, I know where Plymouth is. Right. And I realized that I live in, you know, I live here in Kakana, and I'm like, there's no quick way to get to Plymouth. Like, there's no fast track. It's right. all like side roads, like the alphabet soup. 
of, of highways to get to Plymouth. So uh, this property was in a great location. I'm like, I really like it. But I had nobody in Plymouth that I knew to wholesale to. And I'm like, well, maybe this will work as a flip. <laughs> So lo and behold, you know, I took on that journey and um, I found some resources locally of, of some good contractors and I really lucked out because I found a guy off of, at the time, Craigslist, which was the place he sure, went. Yeah. Um, and he was on there and he was a real reputable guy and a, and a straight shooter because uh, sometimes you can just pick some guy off the off the, the pile and sometimes these contractors are a little <laughs> sketchy. But he did me right and we got it on the market and we made like $40,000 oh, on that. <laughs> Um, and it was a crazy experience, but I mean, that, that was also my first in which I was doing a lot of the heavy lifting myself. I mean, yeah. I had main contractors yep. to do like the drywall and installation, but all the finer things, some of the painting, some of the other stuff I was doing. So I was spending days and I was sleeping over at the property. Sure. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we had to get on market, right? So, I mean, that's what you do early on. And I don't take that back for anything yeah. because I learned so much. Uh, about construction and just generally how you flow a project yep. that helps me now that I have GCs and project managers who help me with that that I understand the process yep. so early on as much as you want to be hands-off there's uh, there is much to be said to actually getting your hands dirty on the front end and allowing yourself to know what what it takes yeah I, th I so. think we really got to unpack that a little bit more so yeah. um, so I mean you obviously didn't have any concerns about rolling up your sleeves and getting yeah. to work on that property so that's good yeah. what about the financing end of, of that how, yeah. how easy or hard was that process? you know I at that time I had great connections um, because I had already wholesaled some properties so um, one of the challenges that some new people have is if you're a brand new guy and you need monies um, one if you don't have great credit it's hard to maybe go to a, a you know a private or a, a, a commercial lender mm -hmm. um, so a lot of times the the private money route is a lot of people go to. But even then, if you don't have never done anything, there's a vetting period, right? Sure. So I had access to some friends who had some money that we worked with at, with the deal. Um, and it worked out to be a great situation. So I had a, that availability to me. It was really just showing them, here's the deal. It was a really prospectus of, here's the property, here's yeah. the comps, here's the rehab we're expecting to have done, and really breaking it down in a nice format, almost like you would if you're going to a lender to say, mm -hmm. I need this kind of money, here's the project sure. here's why i'm worthy of the monies so even though it's private money you still treat it like a business transaction and to me that was so important because even though they're friends of mine mm -hmm. i didn't take it lightly that they're entrusting me to put their money to work right. and that's what i was doing right yeah and it's important even if you're working with friends probably to have like you yes. said everything buttoned up and make sure you have yes. as a business transaction absolutely yes yep um i mean obviously plymouth not knowing the area yeah. probably you know that's one of those yeah. things that, you, you you know, was not in your backyard. Well, I'll but. say this, though, real quickly on that. Uh, Plymouth was a, was a phenomenal market. When I when I got there, I was kind of like, ah, I don't know. But I ended up loving Plymouth. It is a very cool little sleepy town community where the people are amazing there. And the home values were actually superseding what I was seeing in the Valley. Sure. Like, I couldn't have put that home at that time in the Valley and made the money I made in Plymouth. Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting little di dichotomy in that area where it's kind of not real metro, but it, there's enough. There, I mean, they have a Walmart and a few other things sure. that make it a place to live in a small community. Um, so, nonetheless, it, it, I really enjoy the time there. And so, you're going through your checklist and you're, you know, roof and foundation and you build out kind of this budget how yeah. how close did you stick to the budget <laughs> well we didn't um <laughs> specifically early on and even today you know we budget things and we always know there's going to be a fluff factor mm -hmm. uh, with this property specifically the kitchen was a little galley and my intent was oh we're just going to paint the cabinet oh we're going to take the cabinets down and reuse them or do something was my thought i'm like we'll save some money well in the process of taking the cabinets down they literally fell apart mm -hmm. so at that point we're like well what if 
if we opened up a wall, which that always sounds exciting. They do it on the home, home remodeling shows, right? <laughs> that was such a crazy time because then it's like, well, now you need a structural engineer. And then the, the, the inspector wouldn't pass it unless it met these requirements. And it was a long span. So then we made this really because it was a split-level house, which was really compartmentalized to be this huge monster space, open <laughs> concept. It was beautiful. To this day, it's, I, it's one of my more favorite projects mm -hmm. we've done because maybe my own blood, sweat, and tears, along with my daughter and my kids were there helping too. Um, but yeah, we, we were probably over, I'd say about $8,000 in budget okay. on that first job. And, but the reality is we ended up making, I think, an additional 15000 mm -hmm. because we knew by opening up the kitchen, we were sure. going to get it back. Yep. So we, cons we consulted with a realtor and said, hey, what if we did this? And he's like, well, wow, that, you're a game changer now. Right. So that was, well, that was a good move. That was that, a good move. That, this was what, 2015, 2015? Yeah, I think so, okay. yeah. Because in the market, so. I mean, again, the market was still quasi-hot at that time. So yeah, I think... no, I would say, if, we're, I would t if I'm thinking back a little bit, Chad, that's probably closer to that 2010, oh, okay. 11 in stage. I'm thinking if, if my, my dates and times uh, okay. um, are following me here. Um, uh, boy, it's all blurs together, but <laughs> it, you might be right in time frame, I, I guess. But the market at that time was moderate. It oh. was nothing near to what it was today. I know that. Um, you know, there was it was kind of beginning a little bit warm. Um, the great thing about in the Fox Valley and in the Green Bay area is even with the, the slowdown that we had with the real estate reset, I guess, back in 2008, things have stagnated here. Yep. There's a good job market here. People want to buy. So we never really saw huge dips in the real estate market. Uh, but now we're just seeing prices going through the roof right. because demand is high. I mean, everything we know of, interest rates are low, a lot of things. There's a lot of great programs for first-time home buyers. Um, so that that's exciting. How, how was the, I mean, do you remember how many offers did you get? Or, or you know, were, were there days where you're sitting there kind of like, are we going to really get this number? Is, yeah, is this right? that's a great question, too. I, I think for this one, we had someone on the gates who was very interested in it. Um, and I was going to try to actually work it without the agent because they came to me. And then <laughs> it was interesting with this story because the guy uh, they came through and he's like oh, I want to bring my my um, contractor friend through and they he went through and basically gave us this laundry list of an additional eight thousand dollars worth of stuff that oh, wow. they wanted to have done <laughs> and I'm like dude this is mainly cosmetic like it's structurally sound it's a safe property yep. but you're wanting all this stuff done so we pretty much just walked away from that opportunity but then when I had my agent at the time uh, they went right through the process and I think within a week we had uh, I think at asking price nice. back then. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't remember the specific numbers on that one, but uh, I mean I know we made on it, but mm -hmm. I don't know what the what the offer was. I, maybe it's like one hundred seventy nine thousand uh, dollars, which back then was actually a lot. For yeah, so was, I mean, despite being you know a little bit over budget on some things, and and again maybe just some first time flipping, uh, you know, learning experience, you still end up kind of coming out in a pretty good spot. Yeah, you know, I think with this, the, the big thing, and I, and I teach my students this too, is that you make your money when you buy. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to buy it smart because you can't go backwards. If you overpay for a property and the market's only going to take it so far, um, you can't get the money back. Sure. So you always have this budget of uh, potential profit in there. So worst case scenario, you walk away with a few grand and you get a learning lesson. Yep. Um, so, um, you know, with with this being said, we, we knew there was an upside on the property. So, getting the extra budget as it was a huge overage, I mean, it is a lot of money. Um, it did benefit us in, in, on the sales side. So oh, that's great. That's a great summary. Um, yeah. I think, so 
we were talked about uh, some of the wholesaling and then your your, your flip that you yeah. fell into. Yeah. Kind of what was what was next? I mean, just continue to kind of do wholesales, or did you get some more flips that? Well, came in? yeah, I think with that point, I was kind of almost like I'm going to be a wholesale guy. I had no other vision. I didn't want to flip at the time. I didn't want to have any rentals. You know, I think at that point in time, I'm like, huh, okay, well now maybe I could try. Like I got the flip under my belt. We did well with it. Learned a lot. Um, so after that, you know, I kind of was starting to dabble more into the flipping game. So we picked up some properties because the great thing with what I was doing with wholesaling, Chad, is that I was marketing for properties and the good ones I could keep, right? right? And then if there's other ones that would be a great rental, I could wholesale those. So it served me on many different fronts, right? I could make money wholesaling the property. I can make money rehabbing the property. My early life lesson I learned, though, was because I was early on very active in the process of fixing the home, um, my business had times pockets of slowness because I stopped doing the marketing. Mm-hmm. I'm busy swinging the hammer um, and I'm like, well, why isn't my phone ringing? Why, I, why am I not getting any leads? Well, the reality was I just didn't have the, the team built out at that time mm-hmm. to have the marketing happen. It was dependent on me. So I was a bottleneck. Yeah. So I realized that, oh, well, hey, I got to make sure that this is still happening. And so as I was doing more flips, I kind of had more of that general contractor in play. And I would, you know, do my periodic checks on it to make sure we're on task. Um, But I was not really, unless in a pinch, Mm -hmm. I was not doing much, if at all, any of the work later on with my flips. So kind of got me into that game. Uh, I actually, through some of my marketing, stumbled into a property which I was able to actually buy the note from. uh, It was a lady who was being foreclosed on. It was, she's being foreclosed on by um, a private um, person who loaned her this money. It was a really unique situation. Yeah. Like they were friends on like an online gambling. I mean, it's really weird. Like they became friends to an online gambling site. And then this one woman's like, well, I'd like to buy a house. And she's like, well, maybe I'll help you. So they bought this property in Appleton and then she just flaked out. Um, and then, so I talked to the person who's being foreclosed. She's like, well, you need to talk to this lady. And I had a dialogue with her. I said, well, would you be open if I just bought the note? Um, and she's like, okay. And this was actually before she was going to foreclose on it, but she was at her wit's end because mm-hmm. um, she was an absentee owner or something like that. So nonetheless, I bought the note, and we went through the foreclosure process, wow. learned a ton of that, yeah. um, and then ended up uh, f- doing some basic rehab on it, cleaning it out, and then uh, wholesaling that property to uh, to another landlord who has that as a very nice rental today. So, so I think if, you, you know, if you've got this wholesaling experience, you get some flips in, and then again, this note thing comes up, and you're probably not, it's not as scary. I mean, I'm sure there's still things you got to learn through it. it was, but yeah. I think what it came down to is I had enough people in my wheelhouse of, of knowledge mm-hmm. that I could go to saying, hey, this is a scenario. How do I do this? Yeah. Oh, talk to this lawyer, or this is what you're going to have to do. Um, it wasn't as intimidating when you have people that can help give you guidance, or at sure. least point you in the right direction of people they'd recommend that you use for vendors and things like that. So um, that gives you that additional confidence to take down that type of transaction. Um, but then from there, I went into doing some rent-to-owns. Okay. So, you know, getting a property under contract that ultimately they're leasing to me, and then I sublease with the intent to have that uh, person who's renting for me buy the property. Sure, yeah. So I've had a few of those that have been quite successful and still do some of those to this day. Um, and then eventually I picked up some own rentals. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I saw the tax benefits of having rentals. <laughs> so, um, you know, on, on top of that, and then, uh, you know, the last three, four years, I've been teaming up with uh, Jackie, who's a friend of mine. We've been doing real estate coaching. So we we have a good group of students locally who we teach how to 
get involved in real estate and, and ultimately probably not make some of the mistakes that I made and, and they've made early on because a lot of it we just kind of trudged through and right. didn't have a mentor to help us through. And that's so important in anything in life, but specifically in real estate because you know, I always say there's, you know, there's three, there's, there's a lot of fear, you know, and we, you know, I joked about getting the F out of real estate, but it's the F word being fear. Uh, <laughs> but there's three Fs, you know, it's the fear of finding the deals, fixing the deals and funding the deals. So sure. as a, as a coaching program, we help uh, someone who has no knowledge in real estate, uh, overcome those three fears sure. to, to be successful. Sure. So. Can, can we talk, so wholesaling, talk a little yeah. bit more about kind of the, the people you're helping. I mean, I know a lot of it is about helping people out of situations and, um, what, what types of, what types of wholesale deals have you you went through over the years? Yeah, you know it, it's interesting in my in my career of real estate, I've come to love it and hate it. Mm-hmm. There's times that I'm just like I can't do it anymore because it, it'll burn you out. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of what you have to do is kind of tough work. You know, you have to either direct mail some people or sometimes cold call some mm-hmm. people, and you don't know if they're ready to sell at that point in time. But I, what really fuels my fire is I know I can help people because a lot of times what happens is people fall into adverse situations and sometimes it's because of no reason of their own. Like a family member gets sick or they have a job change or they lose a job or a variety of different things or they inherit a property, right? And now mom had lived there for the last 50 years and never threw a thing out. And this is the only person locally and the rest of the family members live all the way across the U.S. and they're now responsible to clean it out fix it, repair it, and sell it. So we can come in as a really great solution to them to say, listen, um, I can come in, buy your property. Um, I may buy it directly, or maybe I'll work with some other investors Mm -hmm. um, that we can help you um, in selling this property. So we come to an agreement on a price that makes sense, and usually with what I do, um, I structure that no matter what, we're going to buy it. Mm -hmm. Um, There are rare occasions where we have some other things built into that, but usually they have the confidence to know that if I'm writing my name on the contract, we're going to transact on it. Um, so it gives them the peace of mind. And I think a lot of times what really benefits is I listen to their mm-hmm. situation, Chad. And that's so important. Yeah. Um, a lot of times people are not raising their hand to say, look at me, I'm in this tough situation. <laughs> no one wants to admit to that. But a lot of times they don't know the solutions, yeah. that there are solutions out there, right? Mm-hmm. So if we can come and help and you know work with them or work with their lender to say, hey, can we help with this homeowner in this situation? And we've had a lot of times great um, great times with that where we've been able to kind of work with like a lender or something like that and saying, hey, we want to help out. Uh, and specifically a lot of the local lenders like, great, what can we do to work with you? Because um, at the end of the day, the lender doesn't want to have to foreclose if that's the case either. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's just really knowing that we can help those individuals listen to their story and craft a solution that works for them. Um, and sometimes we get creative because it just suits the need. Right. Because the alternative is they go with a realtor and then maybe they have to fix the roof or maybe they have yeah. to, you know, fix some other things to get it to a point where, uh, you know, a right. home buyer would want to, yeah. you know, inhabit the property. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and, and that's a lot of it. Or sometimes they just don't want to deal with the hassle of the traditional sale mm-hmm. um, of having showings and then having someone come in and, you know, say, all right, well, I want all this stuff done. Um, so there is that element of that of, of the pie, too, when you were dealing with the transaction. Sometimes our the way we buy, um, you know, I had someone recently that said it was easier than even buying a car with how we bought their property sure. because the, the paperwork's minimal. A lot of times we're paying straight cash, mm-hmm. so there's not a lot of additional things and no contingencies. Right. So it's a really smooth transaction. We keep great dialogue with the seller through the whole process um, so they're never confused or uh, not knowing what's going on. Sure. Are you finding most of these through mailers? You talked about cold calling. Are you doing, you know, driving around and trying to find properties? Yeah, <laughs> it's tougher than ever before to find opportunities. Um, I mean, back in the day, you could go on MLS. As an investor, 
investor, there's not a lot of them out there just yep. because of the, the hype in the market. Um, so really with what we're doing right now is a lot of layered marketing. So, you know, we are doing direct mailing, we're doing phone calling, we're, we're texting, we're reaching out to people through a variety of different avenues um, and doing that through multiple contacts. You know, with any type of marketing, you have to do it multiple times to be successful. Um, so that has its good and bads. You know, sometimes people get a little upset that they don't want to be bothered or they're not ready to sell. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to come from a heart of service, and that's really what we do. We know that we can't help everyone, but I could tell you the number of times I've sat across a closing table from someone, Chad, and they're like just in tears right. that this situation's over, mm-hmm. and it's really closing the chapter yep. in life. And they're like, this burden, this property that's been on my shoulders for the last umpteen years is now done with, and now I can pick up the pieces and move on. Sure. So that to me, when I have those transactions, all the other white noise, and sometimes the people that just don't understand who we are and what we do, and they just want to, you know, go on a a 10-minute tirade of colorful words explaining how bad of a person I am, they just don't understand. And that's not our heart, right? So um, nonetheless, yeah, so we do a lot of that type of marketing. um, And I think there's no real one channel. Everyone always asks me, well, what's what's the golden ticket? What's the one thing I can do? All I can say is don't do one thing. Do three to four different things and do it well. Um, And I think if you do that consistently, which is the key in any type of marketing, you have to do it repetitively for... Um, for some time, because what you're doing today, you might not see fruit from three to six months sure. from now. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, being able to leverage your sales, you know, background and things like yeah. that. I mean, that, that's certainly another thing as well. Where yeah. somebody was out there saying, oh, "I don't know that I can get into real estate because I don't have, the, I don't want to swing my hammer, or I don't, you know, don't have that expertise." Yeah. There, you know, yeah. there's other things that you do oh, in yeah, ways sure. that you can find, you know, a, a career mm-hmm. in real estate based on kind of what your experience is. Yeah, and I would say this too that like you know, I mean, because we do some some coaching. I mean, there's people that we've brought in that have zero expertise mm-hmm. in any anything, construction, real estate, whatever. So the real piece of that is that you have to be willing to learn and you have to apply yourself to do things differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, So if you're willing to step outside of the normal you know, grind of things and really apply yourself, you can be successful. Mm-hmm. So could we uh, let's pivot a little bit and talk about just the legal side. I mean, how scary was that to you and, and how how many how have you built your team of kind of legal uh, partners to be able to kind of you know deal with some of the stuff that comes up? Yeah, I've been very fortunate. I mean, I've not uh, had opportunity. I mean, there's a few things where I had some some legal things we had to go through. And I think at that point in time, one, having good insurance, mm-hmm. you know, making sure you're insured properly, that if something was to happen, that you're protected. Um, you know, you can set yourself up and structure your business accordingly yep. through LLCs and other things or S-Corps um, to make sure that you're structured uh, in a business perspective that protects you. Um, but I think it's just really having good counsel, you know, and whenever you're going into something, you know, making sure your contracts are valid if you're not using a state contract. Um, you know, like when I had to do my known mortgage, I mean, I had that all drafted by an attorney yep. um, because I just wasn't going to, yeah, I could go on the internet and find something, but at the end of the day, you, you have to make sure that it protects you, right? right. Um, so that's really where it comes down to in finding a good real estate attorney that can understand your business mm-hmm. um, because it's not the traditional agent uh, situation. So we're investors and a lot of stuff what we do is kind of unique we're asking to do and that's the benefit of being an investor too that we can craft a lot of language that as long as both parties agree makes sense so um that's really where it comes down to and then if i've had situations where i've needed legal counsel um you know like i had something recently where i had to evict someone and i had to take them to court because they destroyed my property so again having legal counsel there of like what are my rights should i go after a criminal or should it be a small claims thing so um i think it's just having those people in your back pocket that when you have those uh, situations you can be make a good judgment Mm -hmm. 
How, how about the accounting side or the financial side? Was that a, a strength of yours or, or your wife's? And, and how did you kind of build your team on, on that side? Uh, yeah, initially, no. I mean, I know enough about finance and money to, to be smart about it. But I mean, that's you know you, not, like, you know you like money, right? I do yeah. like money. <laughs> I've realized as I've been in this business some time that... And you need money in some, yeah, yes, in some regards, yes. too. Well, right? yeah. I, with, for me, it was like, I know I can do better, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I knew I needed to find a good partner. And I found a local, a local accountant who's been phenomenal. And I've really tapped in in the last year and a half to two years of like, okay, how can we match? maximize what I'm doing here and what are some other opportunities in which and that's where it really got me going into the rental play um, because with what I was doing I was bringing a lot of income but not a lot of tax benefits with that so uh, Uncle Sam was getting some getting some good chunks of money so I was just trying to look how can I position myself that you know I'm gonna pay my taxes but at the same time how can I defer that you know sure. and, and, and rentals are a great way of doing that um, so yeah I mean I, I think it was just having them and then strategizing you know yearly I just met with them like a few weeks ago, just talking about, all right, here's some thoughts, here's what I'm doing, you know, even some of the projects I'm doing right now, I've had dialogue with them. How can I use this as for my business and is there tax advantages of, you know, purchasing this or doing this type of situation? So, again, having those people, uh, day one, definitely, I mean, if you've not done a real estate transaction, you're listening to this podcast today, I mean, don't feel like you have to go get a lawyer, an accountant. Um, That will come organically. Um, Really, the biggest thing is just, Go, go find a deal. Yeah. I mean, at the heart of it, if you're brand new and you're listening to this podcast and you're like, I would love to get into real estate, but I wouldn't know how to do it, go find a deal. And if you don't want to find a deal, come to a local club, go watch a YouTube podcast or like this type of podcast and just take the action to go find a deal. Because the reality is if you find a deal and it is a true deal, Chad, there'll be a buyer for yeah. it. Yeah. So in, in the market, you almost create automatically. So, so what do yeah, I mean, are there, so how do people find kind of your wholesaling, you know, if they're, if they're looking for that deal, how do they find kind of you as just kind of the wholesale list of properties sure. that might be out there? Yeah, or, I mean, or, with us, I mean, we have a buyer's list. So, I mean, if you're not on our buyer's list, I'm sure we can get you the contact mm-hmm. information. Uh, you can reach out to me directly if you like through Facebook. I'm a live person out there. <laughs> um, but yeah, you get on our list. So once we get a property under contract, we typically market it out and we'll do like an inspection period for a period of time. Uh, you come view it. Um, we usually sell them as is um, and then you can place a bid and uh, if you're the winning bid you get the property and then we sell you the contract and then we close on it um, the process is pretty easy and we're doing you know about one to two a month I mean we're not doing a huge volume of that but enough to keep us active sure. in the wholesaling market what, what about obviously this market is 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 different than a traditional type of a, or a normal market but I mean is MLS still a, a place people can find deals do you think well, yeah, I sure. I, I, to say no, I would say it would be silly of me. They're just very scarce. Mm-hmm. So I think if you and, and and I'm not in that space right now, but I think if you were diligent and put in the time mm-hmm. and were actively watching MLS, um, you could watch for days on market. You know, something's on market now. Let's say, oh my word, like 35 days, <laughs> which seems like oh, that's nothing, right? But in this market, I mean, people get worried if it's not have an offer within day one, right? And not. Multiple offers, um, there may be opportunity there. Um, and one of the things I had done, you know, a few years ago, is when I was doing some of the rent to own, I was able to pay more retail mm-hmm. because I was bringing in uh, a tenant buyer 
and we knew that it was about an 18 to two year window that we were going to get some appreciation that we could position ourselves to buy it at a near retail pricing and still make money on it. We just did one in Kimberly that closed last year. It turned out to be a really good deal for us um, that we ended up buying, and I think we bought it for like 125, and we ended up selling it for 150, 159 in like two years. Great. So Great. Uh, you can buy off MLS. It's just depending on what your strategy is, and you have to be very diligent, um, or maybe you have a really good agent that you know that can help find you those opportunities. Because sure. sometimes stuff comes in the office uh, of a local brokerage that maybe isn't listable. Right, and they're like, ah, "What are we going to do with this?" Well, if you have a good contact inside a brokerage, right. maybe you can work with that agent, and they send you the lead, and then they're the listing agent on the backside when you when you sell it. Right, yeah. so there could be opportunities there. Um, they're just very. I would say it's probably one of your bigger paths of resistance to find off MLS. There's sure. better ways to find opportunities. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So we talked about uh, you, you talked about you know going up potentially going on MLS. I mean, I think the other thing to, to try to find that deal is maybe just. Talk to people you know. I, I think some of the other things, you know, whether it's a neighbor or mm-hmm. or a family member. I mean, I think some of those deals are, that are kind of lying under the surface. I think you can find those if you. Oh, absolutely! Make a I, 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 we actually have a student right now who that in the last he's just gotten some deals here in the last few weeks, and and I think two of them came from just referrals mm-hmm. of like, oh, so and so buys properties. You need to talk to Susie. Um, word of mouth by far is always the best way of finding any opportunity it's sometimes the toughest because you got to put yourself out there um so you know if, if you can consistently do that and do it well it, it can pay dividends for you yeah i think it's just yeah telling people you know once you're ready to make that jump yes. into real estate tell people that you're you're in real estate or you're looking right. to get into real estate yeah, and i think absolutely. some deals just uh, the universe conspires to help you find them i think <laughs> yep absolutely it's plant seeds you know that's what we always say you're planting seeds for future opportunities mm-hmm. so it's just being consistent enough to say that hey here's what i'm doing or you go to meetups or you go to any type of business gatherings that that are happening more now with with things opening up and just saying hey you know here's who i am here's how i can help serve people if you know someone we can serve or help or properties that we can buy you know here's my information Mm -hmm. so oh that's great can we talk a little bit about just your uh the the buy and hold uh properties that you have currently just how has your experience been kind of getting into them and you know getting tenants yeah i I don't know if it's maybe a thing of mine chad that i stumble (laughs) into this type of stuff so my very first rental i i got well i had some rent to owns so i i was not truly the owner of the property i was kind of the middleman so they were leasing to me and i was subleasing with an exit option contract so uh that's a whole nother probably podcast in its own right but nonetheless i was doing a few of those you know getting a little cash flow per month and i'm like this is interesting well then i came across an opportunity where a gentleman wanted to sell up in the green bay area and he's like listen i just don't want to be here anymore the property had some foundational issues it was in a nice area in green bay and he's like well um i can't buy it for what you owe but you have a nice enough property what i'd be willing to do is take it what's called subject to mm-hmm. so we drafted up some paperwork work with a lawyer sure, to make yeah. sure it was all done legally um so ultimately i in so many words kind of took over his mortgage i actually was the person on the deed um, so I was the legal owner of the property. Sure. He still kept the financing, and I made his payments every month. Oh, nice. So every month I was helping his credit, and we had a, we ended up getting a great tenant in there, and they're still there to this day. Um, so we were a year in, and then um, we had a five-year basic balloon on this, so I had to buy it in five years. Mm-hmm. Um, a year in, he's like, you know what? I kind of just want to be done with it. And I'm like, okay. Well, at that point in time, I, the, when I initially made that contract back in 19, you know, the market was just, just starting to warm up, right? Mm-hmm. So now it's 20, and I'm like, 
well, maybe we could buy this. The numbers work, right? And I could buy this as a rental. It was good cash flow. I was making like twelve fifty a month on this thing. It was bringing in close to like six hundred bucks a month in cash flow. Um, so we ended up looking uh, through a local lender and got some private financing or some commercial financing, I should say. And we took full ownership of it and then financing it back in August of last year. And it's it's done well for me. We stuck some money into it, kind of did a little, I wouldn't say bird it necessarily, but we with the refinance, because we were able to take his mortgage and refinance it because I was the legal owner of sure, it. Yeah. So um, it appraised fine and uh, took some money, fixed the basement issues, stuck like 12000 bucks into getting that rent. Uh, but now it's a really nice home. It's a little brick rancher in Green Bay, and I, I really love the property. I really do. I don't get normally emotionally attached to properties, but it's one that I like a lot. Yeah. It does well financially. It's in a great neighborhood. It's a good-looking home. All the, oh, it checks all the boxes yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, and then the other one we just stumbled across, we got a little four-unit. Um, we picked up the end of last year. Um, a unique story. Out-of-state owners, they probably shouldn't have been landlords. Um, they were just kind of doing enough to, to keep it afloat. Mm-hmm. Um, property needed some work, but they had done some things. Um, but they were just done with it. <laughs> um, but it was cool. It was like an upper-lower duplex, duplex. And then on the back of the lot, there's two like single, one-family buildings on this lot. And the lot is not conventional by any means. It almost, It's very unique. Needless to say, uh, it'll be interesting to see how we can compare, find comparables because there's nothing like it in Green Bay. But it's, it's a great money generation generator for me. Um, I like it because of the uniqueness of it um, and the opportunity. What I'm really wanting to do is probably take those back two units and turning them into like um, an executive rental, sure. mm-hmm. an Airbnb. Sure. I mean, Bellin's up in that area or someone could use it as a Packer house or what have you because um, it's near enough that it, it's walk, well, not walkable, but drivable or, or someone could take an Uber, sure, right? right. Mm-hmm. Um, so nonetheless, so I'm really excited for that property for its uniqueness and the upside of it because we got such a great opportunity on the front side um, that I think the potential of what it could be is is, is almost the sky's limit on this one. So, so. so are you guys self self managing these properties? Um, I am not. Nope. I, it, I've learned early on, and that <laughs> probably goes back to when I was uh, out of the gates. I was in food service. And I did everything myself, and I got burnt out on it. And I realized I need people to support me. So I have a good property management company that does manage that for me. Um, they take care of any issues with tenants. Um, they have a number to call. So if the toilet's you know running in the middle of the night, <laughs> I'm not the guy they're calling. Um, so I, 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 when I, when I figure out my properties, I always figure in property management because I just I, there's such a value in that to me because my quality of life is so important. Um, yeah. I want to make good money, and yes, I want to be able to provide for my family, but I also I don't want to be never home to visit with them because I see too many real estate investors that they're swinging the hammers, and you know they're doing the property management, and, and then they're doing the turnovers, and it's like, if you're buying such lean deals that you're having to do that, I don't want anything to do with that. I'd rather do less mm-hmm. and really wait for the good opportunities, and they are out there. You just have to put yourself in the right position consistently enough to find them. Right. No, that's great. Again, because like you said, people don't want that. 2 a.m. toilet no. call. And so, uh, again, if, if you can figure out what you're good at and focus right. in on that, you can be a lot more successful in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to the extent that you're okay sharing, I mean, yeah. what what's kind of the, the, the future vision or do you, do you have a future vision? Is it well, yeah, changing? I mean, it, it was kind of cool. I mean, my, my world's changed a lot in the last year. I mean, COVID came in and, and obviously affected a lot of people's business. Real estate has been one of those few things that have really stood the test of time, even through COVID. I think a lot of people, I had my best year in 2020. A lot of that came to, I had a good business uh, friend of mine and his wife approach me of like combining forces. They knew 
I was good on the acquisition side. They were good on the systems and the marketing side and the disposition side. And they thought, well, what if we combined our, our resources? And we did that. And this was even before COVID happened. And literally two weeks, we decided to do this and really got the ball rolling. You know, the world shut down. Yeah. Um, so we're like, you know, do we stop? And be like, maybe we don't do this, or let's you know, let's try it out. So we we kind of gave it a thirty day run, and we're like, wow, we really like this. And very rarely do you find a business relationship and friendships that can work out. Um, but I think we have such a great dynamic of communication. Um, so you know, as you're talking about what's my vision, I think really for me, I I, I would love to get into you know, we're building out this business um, that we can kind of allow us to not be in it anymore. We're building it as such. Um, so we've brought on other people who are doing some of the acquisition side of things from the phone calls and stuff. So eventually I'd like to kind of step out of that completely, maybe in the next year and a half, two years. Um, I would love to get into coaching and education mm-hmm. and teaching. Um, that is another thing that really feeds my fire. Sure. I love empowering people. I love helping them get better. Um, and that's something that's always been exciting to me, even when I was in uh, management, when I did sales. You know, I, I was a good salesperson, and I thought, well, how do you get that excitement of, of landing the good sale? Um, matter of fact, I was more, I found more enjoyment when I helped someone else get that right. sale. Mm-hmm. And it was so rewarding to me. And that was kind of a light bulb moment. It's like, that's what I want right. to do. So to whatever aspect that I do, a coaching, teaching type of process, I, I would love to be involved with that, um, you know, five years from now. And maybe maybe that being my main my main thing. That's great. So, That's yeah. great. How important have mentors been for you in your journey over the years? Uh, it's essential. <laughs> essential. Um, you know, even though Jackie was a friend, she was a mentor. And her her words that she shared with me were monumental. I mean, I can think of a few stages in life, whether it be professionally or personally, that I had some good mentors that they just had made a statement or given me some guidance that allowed me to have the confidence to do that. Yeah. Um, you have to, have to, have to, have to have a good circle of people in your life. Um, if you don't have people in your life that are empowering you and encouraging you to do things, um, you need to find a new circle. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not the first guy to make that statement, but I can say personally, um, one, my wife has been a, an amazing asset to me because she's been nothing but a cheerleader. And sometimes I'm my own worst enemy because she's telling me to do something and me being the stubborn guy that I am. <laughs> no, we can't do that. Um, but yes, dear, you are right. So I'm sure she would listen to this and she knows that. But that in addition, so if you are married, having a spouse who supports you uh, if they're not in the business and she is to some extent um, but then having other people who have done it before and using that and it, it's okay to pay someone to be a coach or a mentor because you know what they say about free advice you know it's sometimes not great so you know if you can find a good coach or mentor that you know can help you get to that next level um, you talk to anyone who's been successful uh, I'm sure people that have also been in the same chair I have, they would talk about the importance of having a mentor in their life. So that is critical yeah. to success. Yeah. And, and again, I think you'll find that people, it's not, not a competitive, real estate isn't a competitive world. I mean, it's competitive, but I think people are willing to share and, oh, and you know, give, give advice on things, tricky situations. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, with what we do, I mean, I, you know, I, with the local investment club when, that meets, you know, every every month, um, that is a great opportunity. You know, if you haven't met, if you're in the area, in the Appleton or Green Bay area, come down to that in Appleton because 
that is where a wealth of information is shared. Not only is there teaching and education during the session, but if you can stick around afterwards, that's where people are just right. being people, right? Exactly. And they're talking about stuff, and, and you'd be surprised the number of deals that are bought, sold, relationships, partnerships that are created at these type of meetings. And it doesn't mean you have to be doing 20 deals a month. You can be a brand new person that's just eager and wants to know. And the people that are in this group chat, and, and you've been there too, they're just amazing people that are willing to share and give. Yep. So you, those type of people you need to be involved and bring into your life. Yeah. No, that's great. What, what other, I mean, education, books, podcasts, is there anything specific that kind of jumps out that, you know, people should dive into? Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think strongly, I think if you are looking to get into real estate investing, I think a real critical book would be The Life and Air book. Mm-hmm. Um, that's by Steve Cook. Um, what it really does is, you know, as as a millionaire is one who has a lot of money, a life and air is someone who has a lot of life. And this really can get your priorities straight because sometimes we, we chase after this rabbit that is elusive and we'll never get to. The American dream that's being taught in the world today is backwards. It's like work, 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 and then eventually have fun. Well, what if you could plan your life to enjoy it today and also provide for you financially? And that's what Life Inner does. It really kind of switches switches your mindset. Um, but I think, you know, that that's one book. I mean, I think you have to have some spiritual things in there, too. I'm, I'm well-grounded in that regard. Um, there's a bigger purpose to why I do besides just making money, because money's dirty, yeah. and it really serves nothing. Um, and if you don't have great people to experience things, with it just becomes void you see too many people that have all this money and go down very very dark paths so um you know i think there's a variety of different things that i listen to uh from that i mean just a lot of different podcasts and i don't know if i have like any we're just talking about this off off mic i don't know if i have like my go-to right like i always listen to this guy uh i think there's just i just have a lot of stuff that pops in my radar because Mm of you know the algorithms they know what i like right it's like oh this is exciting i'll i'll listen to this today you know so, I mean, Bigger Pockets obviously is another resource you can use to, to find a lot of good information in, in that as well. So, uh, yeah. No, oh, that's good. We get a lot of different answers on this, but how important was branding to the overall scope of your success of your business? You know, early on, no. Um, I think sometimes people can get so wrapped up into like having this brand and, you know, having things in place. And, and yes, that is important. I and mean, we're now just at a point with our business where that is important. We want to kind of push ourselves as this solution resource for people um, because it helps build trust with people. If people know you as a local brand, um, they may choose you over some guy that's just a newbie, right? Mm-hmm. But really what it comes down to, I think early on, it's just being a human being and not being afraid to talk to people. Because if you can have conversations with the average person and be compassionate and listen to their situation, there's numerous times, Chad, that I've gotten opportunities that I know there have been other people there too, but they trusted me. And they really wanted us to help them. And, and, and that's what it came down to. And it wasn't because I'm some superstar marketer and things like that. It's just because I care and I'm a human being. Right. And I said, hey, can I, if I could do this and help you with this situation, it sounds like something we can work together on, on, on this transaction, right? Mm-hmm. Just treat them fair, you know, and at the end of the day. And I'm also the first guy. And I know this is probably people would sh- shiver to say this. Like, I tell people I'm not your best option. You know, I, if, they, if they come in and they want X, Y, Z, and I can't provide that, I'll say, listen, I'm not your guy. 
And I think people appreciate that. They always think that you're going to push them down a path that you know, you're just going to lowball me and give me this low offer. Well, yeah, there may be a low cash offer, but maybe there's something else I can help with. Or maybe, really, a realtor is the best right. play for you. <laughs> and guess what? I got great realtors that'll that'll serve you very well. Yep. So I'm okay to do that. And I sleep easy at night. Mm-hmm. I've never gotten to a transaction that I'm like, ah, I shouldn't have done that. If I can't go to bed and put my head on my pillow and without you know a few minor things of just because my mind's always spinning about yeah. things, right? But not like worrisome, like oh crap, I really you know got one over on someone. I, I have a conscience. I'm a human being, yeah. so I I have to know that I wanted to be treated fairly and I treated them fairly, and that that has served me in the years I've been doing this. Oh, that's great. Well, I had high expectations for this uh, interview. I think you've surpassed them. I think, again, wow. it was super impactful. So, well, again, I appreciate Excellent. you taking the time. But yeah. where can people find you? And uh, Yeah, yeah I mean, obviously, you can find me. Uh, my, our company is Wisco Property Solutions. Uh, you can find that on Facebook. Um, I'm on Facebook as well, uh, Dan Alborn. Um, I've, uh, I'm also involved with the AppletonRia.com. So that we do our own little podcast. Matter of fact, we're going to be recording one uh, a little bit later today. So I'm in <laughs> podcast mode today. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm on social medias. You can catch me on uh you know i think i'm also on instagram youtube uh a variety of different areas there but uh yeah reach out to me if you're not on our buyers list or if you just want to talk uh, i'd be more happy to help out no this is great again i think uh people are gonna get a lot of good stuff from this so until next time uh please subscribe uh if you're listening uh on the audio or uh, if you're on youtube please subscribe as well so thank you awesome thanks chad